what is Noah Baumbach's other movie that opened to more than $50 million at the box office? And a hint, it is, he's only credited with a screenplay. Mm, I think it's probably some sort of family dramedy where everybody gets together and they work through their feelings, but they're mean <laughs> along the way. Sounds and yeah. there's a moment where the audience is like, ooh, I can't believe they said that. But at the end of the movie, you leave feeling good. That's my guess. Like now that I think of it, this movie probably could fit that description, but it's not a little bit. Uh, well, actually, a little I, bit. I've only so, seen the the first one. I haven't seen this one. Um, okay, so Drew, did you know off the top of your head, or did you look? I did know off the top. Well, I, I was pretty sure off the top of my head, I did, but I did not look. You want my answer? Yeah, go for it. Madagascar three. Correct. Madagascar what? 3, the famed Noah Baumbach screenplay. What? Uh, yeah. Yes. So uh, very strange that uh, he took that cash grab because he's not known for uh, those type it's of not like he pivots. Was a young, young screenwriter. Like he had, no. he was already working director, you know? Right. You know what's funny? And he's not... Isn't the other thing in the back of my head was like, you should just say something like, how to, drain, t- how to train your dragon to. Like that right. was my first guess. <laughs> I would have I mean, been much closer with that. Yes, and a much better movie than uh, the Madagascar movies, those How to Train a, Your Dragon movies. Um, but yeah, he he took the pay the paid uh, the high paying job, I guess. And uh, the weird thing is is he's not a screenwriter for the first two. He is only a screenwriter screenwriter for the third one. Um, but enough with Noah Baumbach, uh, guys. We had an unprecedented weekend. Uh, really in box office history and especially just given the state of the writer strike and actor strike. It, it, it feels weird to have this massive box office weekend happening all right now. Um, a, a mixture of huge highs and um, big lows. Uh, Taylor, I don't know about you, but Drew and I are not uh, writers of the writers guild or actors or screen actors. So uh, we are not affected by the the worst part, but uh, we are able to take in the very positive weekend Um but yeah, are we? Should we start talking about which one is better, or should we just enjoy ourselves and talk about Barbie uh, from here on out positively? Or I'm assuming positively from all you guys. I actually haven't gotten gotten the vibe from you guys. But yeah, what was your weekend like? Did you guys have as good of a time as I did? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I mean, we absolutely can talk about which one we prefer. But to me, the assignment is totally different on the two movies, and so mm-hmm. obviously we are as humans and critics inclined to rank art, but I think you can enjoy both of them and say they're both perfect at what they're trying to do. Yeah, totally. I, I would, I think there's going to be plenty of time to, they've been pitted against each other, you know, all year and there's going to be plenty of time to pit them against each other, maybe come Oscar time, maybe. Um, So I think right now let's just enjoy this, this very rare moment where you have, basically movies as the center of culture once again for an entire weekend and, and maybe longer if, if the box office returns keep coming in hot uh, for these two movies. So it, it's such a rare thing in 2023 where everyone is talking about movies and everyone's asking, I don't know about you guys, but 
you know, people in my life just, you know, knowing that I'm a movie person coming up and saying, Hey, I, I want to talk about these movies that I saw. And can you believe that they're, uh, they're doing what they're doing at the box office? And yeah, so it's, it's just really exciting. I don't, I don't necessarily want to, uh, to, I mean, obviously Billy and I will have plenty of time to, to, uh, critique these movies, uh, as, as the year, as the year goes on. But, uh, right now it's just exciting. I can not to put myself in a box, but I can tell you, I use a bit.ly link tracker when I share out my reviews on social. And this is maybe the most clicks I've ever gotten ever oh, nice. on this Barbie review wow. or the most in a very long time. We are, we love the hyper selves up as uh, critics that are humble, but um, we're, we're really just out there for, for the clicks and uh, <laughs> the box. I mean, I think Greta Gerwig and, uh, Christopher Nolan like to talk up, not talk up, because I believe that their uh, their ambitions in this industry are are pretty unmatched, uh, despite being huge swings. Especially Greta Gerwig going going big for really her first time. Um, I, I, I was a little bit worried that the corporatization of her effort was going to ruin my uh, weekend with this, and it it did not at all. I was I was really uh, pleasantly surprised with both movies. And yeah, let's let's not pit them against each other just yet. Let's have let's have fun. Let's talk about Barbenheimer. Uh, but before we get a little bit further, um, as you can tell, there is another voice amongst uh, Drew and I. Uh, Taylor Blake is with us. Uh, Taylor Blake of Zeke Film. Um, I'm not quite sure when the last episode of this podcast was, or if it's still going. But she hosts a show called So It's a Show podcast, uh, chronicling the entire series of Gilmore Girls. And a previous Do You Like Apples contributor, Taylor. Welcome. We are so happy to have you. Hello. Yes. I started to wave and then realized no one can see this. So <laughs> please know I'm just as awkward as all your favorite romantic comedy heroines. <laughs> I am still co-hosting so, so It's a Show podcast, which we look at a different Gilmore Girls pop culture reference every episode. We're in a little bit of a hiatus as we plan our final season and- mm-hmm. Um, deal with some other busyness in our lives, but we will be back, rest assured. And I am a member of the St. Louis Film Critics Group and writeforzekefilm.org. And you can see all my writing over there or on crowdversuscritic.tumblr.com, which is my non-less official but very personal blog. I love that. Do you want, you said it's personal. Do you, are you allowing our audience to get a little bit deeper? Absolutely. I would have mentioned it. What I mean is it is a much less official, I'm going to review every new movie. It's more like, here's all the random 1930s musicals I watched this month, and I think you would like them as well. I love that. I love, yeah, I love that. That's great. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. Uh, Our second guest um, on the Do You Like Apples podcast, uh, but uh, fairly often, I think three times contributor to to the newsletter, so... uh, you are not and, shy to to join us in, in our so efforts. People know uh, if, unlike Billy and I, us Yahoos, we're not actually film critics. Uh, Taylor actually is <laughs> a part of a critic society, so um, or organization. So uh, you know, it's it's nice to have a little bit of credibility here, and um, <laughs> it'll be it'll be a fun conversation, I think, about Barbie. I mean, how it, could it not be? It's Barbie. Yeah, just an absolute. Pleasure of a time at the box office this weekend. Um, I saw this one after I saw Oppenheimer. And uh, before I ask you guys what you did, just to put into context 
the success of both of these movies happening at the same time. I want to throw out some stats at you guys. Uh, I saw a tweet from uh, Jonathan MB32 on Twitter. Um, I'm sure all of us recognize that name. It seems very random, but uh, he put it. He put together a very uh, comprehensive uh, list of the accomplishments of these two movies. So uh, this is the third time in box office history that two movies opened to over $80 million in the same weekend. This is the biggest opening ever for a female director. Uh, Second is now Captain Marvel. Oppenheimer is the second highest grossing biopic of all time. The first is American Sniper. And this is the fourth highest grossing box office weekend, at least for the first two movies of all time. So uh, Taylor, we'll start off with you. What did you see these both in the same day? Did you dress up for Barbie at all? Uh, What what was your experience like planning your weekend? I, so one of the perks of being a member of the film critics group is that you get preview screenings. Mm -hmm. And here's what I'm going to say though. This is both like a great gift, a thing that I did not have in my life before a year ago, before I joined the group. And also I am so mad because they made the Oppenheimer and Barbie preview screenings the same night, which to me, I even reached back out to the representative who obviously it's not his decision, but I was like, this is so contrary to all the public posturing about how you should see both movies in the same day. Like, and you're not letting critics do it, which I thought was really silly. They had one screening same night. So I chose Barbie because someone else was covering Oppenheimer for Zeke film. So for the site, that felt like the great decision. And personally, also, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I, it was at the Alamo Draft House in St. Louis, and they had all sorts of fun stuff out, lots of photo places like backdrops that you could take pictures with there was food there were drinks i wore pink i mean people were into it so it was really fun to be with a totally engaged audience and then i was out of town this weekend i tried to get the girl group that i was with to go see barbie and it just didn't work out with everybody's competing schedules so i saw that once last week and then today i had the day off work and i went to oppenheimer a little unconventional i'm gonna guess I, I think I I think I like how I did it. I, I wasn't able to do the double feature in one day. Just having a, a two year old kind of makes that a little more difficult uh, to work around. So um, ended up doing uh, Oppenheimer first, and then two days later, Saturday night, saw Barbie with my wife and a friend, and then uh, uh, also at Alamo Draft House on Saturday Saturday night, and it was a party. So many people dressed up. Um, I wore my uh, my red shirt that was closest to pink that I had, uh, not quite pink, but did my best. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, we did, we did, uh, the Alamo, um, had a, had a margarita, had a bottomless popcorn. It was incredible. Uh, and then went over to, went over to your house, Billy afterwards to, uh, to debrief the Barbie experience, um, at your place with, with some friends. So that was, uh, that was a, it was a, you know, very rare time to have everyone, all excited about the movies, uh, about the same movie, I should say. Did yeah, you guys really go ha- to Barbie together? We did uh, not. We had- go ahead, Billy. You, you do your uh, your yeah. screening. Yeah, we were at the same theater, but uh, about twenty minutes apart. So oh, uh, we were both at we were both at Alamo. Uh, Drew just uh, couldn't get back to me in time when I was buying tickets, so I had to had to snatch him up. Uh, Billy's screening filled up pretty quickly. At five twenty, screening was like full, like when I went to check. Uh, but five forty five yeah. wasn't, so I don't know. 
Well, I think they opened the 545 later because when I was looking initially, it was only 630 and 520. And then I think they kicked out some of the smaller movies that Alamo normally hypes up. But uh, when, when Barbie comes a knock and you have, you have to accommodate. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, I was so happy that you guys came over, Drew, you, uh, your wife, Emily, and uh, our friend Marta. And uh, I had friends over that you didn't know. And Barbie was just the perfect icebreaker for everybody. It was, everyone was all hyped. We were asking each other's opinions just it really just turned into us quoting the movie at each other, yeah. um, which is an <laughs> awesome experience when a, a movie's able to do that. Um, I'm going to try to hold myself back from uh, just turning this into a quote fest, which I'm already mad at myself because Taylor, when I was introducing you, I meant to say it is sublime to have you on this podcast. <laughs> um, so uh, I might have to cut that in at the beginning because uh, that was my initial goal was to uh, give my best Ryan Gosling cool. impression take it as many times as you choose to deliver it <laughs> it doesn't have to be just at the beginning no it'll be in the middle and the end i'm sure but yeah just a, a sublime time at the movies uh i really I, I was really excited to leave it my i have a niece that's eight years old and i, I posed the group uh would an eight-year-old would it be comfortable for an eight-year-old seeing this and i i think i think so um besides the couple jokes about barbie genitalia i think <laughs> Um, it's, it's fairly appropriate more so than what I was, what I was expecting. I think more what might get, uh, lost on her is the very high concept of, uh, of this movie. Uh, but yeah, I think now that we all have talked about our wonderful weekend planning this out and, uh, the, the shared experience we're able to have with a bunch of people, um, and continuing this conversation forward, uh, let's, let's get in some, into some non-spoiler thoughts, um, to start off. Um, yeah, I think I mentioned it at the top I, with these movies that are corporatized like this, uh, the, the Marvel, uh, formula of movies, just, there's always a brand attached to it. Um, I, I, I was very skeptical, even with my, uh, darling air with, uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck that it, it took me a while to push myself past the, the Nike storyline that was pushed into it. And, and Barbie was able like air to, uh, allow me to forget about that. Uh, about 20 minutes in uh, just Margot Robbie is magnificent in this movie. Um, I don't know where the Oscar conversation is going to go with our two main leads as the Oscar season goes along. If movies keep getting pushed, I mean, there might not be any other option, um, but I, yeah, I just had an amazing time with the performances. Uh, the direction from Greta Gerwig was uh, pretty outstanding as always. And uh Screenplay that is for sure obvious in its messaging, but um, has the perfect amount of heart to earn um, the message that it was throwing at the audience. So I, I just had a really great time. Uh, Taylor and Drew, uh, what were your initial non-spoiler non thoughts of, of Barbie? You are totally right that this movie is all about the product placement. It is one big advertisement for Barbie and for Chanel and Chevrolet and Birkenstock, and in a sick burn that made me feel way too seen, Duolingo, yep. because that has been me trying to do things correctly on Duolingo before. However, it is also a series of punchlines about the history of Mattel and some of the more horrifying dolls that they've had throughout the history of their business. And A, the jokes are very funny. And B, I'm... 
honestly shocked that people at Mattel allowed this. I think it was the smart decision, but we also live in a world where a lot of executives don't want to make the smart decision. Mm -hmm. And I loved air and I feel like you guys are a little bit the Matt and Ben podcast. So I am not going to, I am not going to be smirch Matt and Ben on the Matt and Ben show. That's a huge. Also. Yeah. I don't want to do it either, but that, that is basically a movie about how great Nike is and how great the shoe is. And wow, Michael Jordan changed the world. And Michael Jordan did change the world. Uh, no qualms there, but there's really no critique of their business. Whereas Barbie absolutely is a good natured one and a very fun one, but it is not without criticism of the company that is sponsoring this movie. Yeah, even the corporate overlords of this movie are are, bub- are bubbling idiots. So uh, Will Ferrell, uh, he's in the trailer, so I don't think that's a spoiler, but he plays uh, one of the, uh, not one of the, the upper exec uh, and about the only one aware of the ability of Barbie and real world to uh, to cross planes. So um, yeah, they, they, they did enough critiquing to, to make it... Uh, aware of what the Barbie movie was and the jokes were funny. And that's really all I needed when they called this stuff out. If they didn't land, I might've been more hypercritical, but um, the jokes are hilarious. And uh, Taylor, you and Drew uh, are very similar then because Drew's wife was roasting Drew about the Duolingo. Uh, <laughs> so uh, said at least four times, like, that's you, that's you. I'm like, okay, I know. I, I heard you the first time. You didn't have to say it three more times. Yeah, I, so. as someone who yeah. was trying to learn French last year before I went to France, it was yeah. rough. Let's yeah. just put it that way. They got a letter, a lot of letters they do not say. <laughs> yeah, that, I would say my, my general thoughts are, um, I, I was, I love Greta Gerwig's previous two movies. I was, I, I wouldn't say I, I'd never lost trust in her as, as a filmmaker before Barbie, but I think there was definitely a curiosity to how is she going to present Barbie to the world in 2023? It's a very complicated proposition. And I, I thought Greta Gerwig just did it again. She just kind of nailed another movie. I mean, it's Barbie's clever, thoughtful. It's honestly hysterically funny in, in several points. Um, and yes, there there's, I, I, I have some minor quibbles about some of the characters and some of the storytelling. And like you got, like you guys said, it at times does kind of stray a little bit too close to feeling like a commercial for a product, but all in all, I mean, it's a great time at the movies. It's, it's a lot of fun to go see people with. I can't wait to watch it again, but also Greta kind of sneaks in this, you know, not doesn't even really sneak it in. It's it's kind of obvious actually, but it's it's she uses Barbie as a subject for thoughtful social commentary and and real emotional resonance too. Like not something that I expected. I didn't expect to be getting a little choked up uh, from the Barbie movie, but you know that's that's where we are. So, um, I mean, I, I have a lot more thoughts, but I think that's kind of my my initial reading of it is Greta Gerwig. She she did it did it again. Unbelievable. I laughed so hard I cried, and I also just cried, which I don't think in my entire life of movie going has ever happened in one movie before. <laughs> oh wow, that's that's a really good point. I haven't like, yeah, I've, I've laughed hard in movies, 
and cried in movies, but I don't know if I've been put to tears in, in both ways, but that, yeah, I, I didn't quite cry at the, at the more emotional moments, but um, that's kind of why I want to see it with, with my niece. Cause I know that's going to add an extra element to it of, uh, of kind of creating a number. That's, that's a little bit of uh, a spoiler. So I, I won't go any further into mm. how uh, um, America Ferrera and uh, her, her plot line, but uh, that she's an actress I haven't thought of in years. Uh, and I don't remember her really being a part of any of the trailers that I saw. So uh, her storyline and her character being uh, the emotional crux of the movie was, was really surprising. And she was, you needed her character in the movie and without uh, Greta Gerwig's uh, just brilliance at adding those emotional element elements into each of her movies. Um, Barbie, I think could have gone flat uh, for audiences uh, for how much hi- hype there was around it. I don't think there was ever going to be a massive backlash against it in the, uh, in an obvious sense, but uh, because there's actual heart in this movie, uh, I, I think it's just going to, have a very small dip at the box office next weekend. I mean, when you make $150 million, you expect 70% of your box office to go away. But if it stays around 50 million, the second weekend, um, I think we might be seeing the Top Gun Maverick of, of the summer. And that, that's a comparison I did not expect to make with Barbie is a uh, Top Gun Maverick. And uh, yeah, also Greta Gerwig and Christopher Nolan, just beating Tom Cruise this summer season. Did anybody expect that to happen? Uh, I expected maybe one or the other, but but not both. Uh, so I, yeah, just- I got curious when I saw the final tally come in and let's say Barbie never happened and Oppenheimer opened to 82 million. Mm-hmm. It would have one beaten any other weekend of the year, except for seven. And two of those were super Mario, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like 82 million is an insane number for 2023 and would have, done better than almost every other weekend and yet it's still number two which is wild yeah Yeah. a three-hour movie having that is pretty insane i i I need to look at three-hour movies with the highest box office i mean titanic comes to mind i imagine that's the the number one uh opening weekend uh but this well and especially since they keep doing the re-releases i definitely (laughs) did that one time right (laughs) But yeah, uh, guys, do you have any? I, I think we're at the uh, where we need to get into spoiler territory. Um, like I said, that my hangout with Drew and other friends just turned into us quoting the movie at each other for a couple hours. So uh, let's not quite go there. But now there are spoilers. I want to get out there my uh, most interesting thought process of the movie and see if you guys agree at all. Uh, do Barbie and Babylon have a similar ending? <laughs> Discuss. I Do you was, have any? I was, I was very surprised when you when you said that to me, and <laughs> not something I thought about at all. Right in the movie, but then when you said it, I was like, okay, I, I kind of see where you're going with that, Billy. I there and and Margot Robbie's in both movies, right? Uh, the star of both movies. Um, there, I think their intent is is very different. Very different, um, yeah. But I, I see I see a little bit where you're going with that. Yeah, a, a montage uh, ending of both very oh, different. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going at, Taylor. Is it okay. not quite the exact? You end saw is, that on my face. 
Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, I don't remember a flash of Avatar at the end of. The <laughs> <laughs> you missed that. That's uh, a yeah. James Cameron hacked my theater, or was it the entity <laughs> from Mission Impossible hacking my? Theater? Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so that's my uh, only when that came on screen. One, it it totally worked in the context of the movie. Uh, uh, at the end there, with all the uh, intercuts of visions of families being together and uh, that love you see of a healthy family life. Uh, it was really, really powerful. And something like uh, both of us or all of us have said is uh, an emotional death that I did not expect to happen. Uh, and mm-hmm. and we needed that in, in the movie, but uh, yeah, the, that's like a spoiler I really wanted to get into. Um, yeah. Are there any scenes or moments that uh, really impressed you guys or just made you laugh or uh, what, what was out there? for you guys i think one of the things that i was so surprised about and in my review i didn't want to get into hard spoilers mm-hmm. i did some mild ones but Rhea perlman what her <laughs> in this movie did not know she was in it at all and then first i mean i was primed to cry because america ferrera's monologue about what it means to be a woman <laughs> i mean it got me yeah, and, but then I so I'm already like in a cry state, and then Rhea Perlman comes in, and she's like, "I'm just an old lady with a double mastectomy and tax evasion problems, <laughs> and here's what it's like to be a real person." And it got me again. And maybe it's just because, you know, for eleven seasons she was Carla on Cheers, and just this tough old broad who <laughs> suffered no fools, and it almost feels like this like refreshing pace for her like oh we know she can be that she is tough she is not a pushover um and in this movie apparently she was not afraid to not pay her taxes but guess what (laughs) she is also like a maternal figure and that got to me too so that was a surprise yeah there's there's all these like little grace moments throughout the movie that being the obviously the the one at the end that's kind of like a hammer emotionally but um, I'm also thinking of when Barbie and Ken first get to the real world and Barbie's on the park bench by herself and mm-hmm. this old woman is next mm-hmm. to him or next to her. And they kind of have this moment together. And I think Barbie says something like, you're so beautiful to her. And and uh, Greta Gerwig just kind of puts in these little moments throughout the movie that kind of, yes, it's like a, a ridiculous movie in a lot of sense. It's like immaculately designed. It looks incredible. Uh, but it's, you know, it's very much set, most of it's set in Barbie land. I think probably only, I don't know, probably a third of it's set in the real world, if that. Um, so in a, a lot of ways, it's kind of a, a, there's a lot of silly moments. There's a lot of really funny moments, but then there's all, there's also these little emotional moments. And I think that one at the end kind of, kind of brought it all home, brought it all together for me emotionally. And that, and then of course you get to the final line, which is like, will probably be an all timer final line. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that is that is one that people are going to be quoting uh, when they talk about best, best final uh, dial, best final quotes. And it's also a very practical use for many of us women. I'm just saying <laughs> it's something I can use regularly. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. I, so Bill, I, I guess I, I'm wondering from you guys, was there a certain part of the movie that worked best for you? Like, did you like the beginning the most, like where they're setting up Barbie land and showing how Barbie land works, you know, kind of the plight of the Kens 
or or do you did you like maybe more of the beginning with the real world or were you more into the end where they kind of all bring all the characters together and kind of wrap it all up like I, i'm because i'm still trying to sort out in my mind which part i thought worked the best yeah that, i had a pretty uh hilly ride with it of like pure enjoyment and then a little bit of leveling out of all right where are we going with this i'm not quite sure if i'm fully vibing with certain parts of the movie um, but my two i love the opening of barbie land um just it, it kind of does a little bit of like the lego movie uh aesthetic where it, they're moving like barbie dolls it's uh everything that they're like drinking there's no actual liquid in it they're not actually eating anything so they they played up that dynamic really really well and then once they got to the real world i was fully vibing with that um but once ryan gosling as ken started to uh break away and become a little bit more aware of uh or really just not a full villain but becoming a more of a jerk um, i think it was because the dynamics amongst the kens i didn't love all the time um ryan gosling blew me away as he always does in uh Mm -hmm. most movies he's in um but the ken dynamic as a whole i don't yeah i feel like there was a way to get it where i would have got more consistent laughs um and then at the end they brought around that little bit of a villain uh storyline for ken in funnier ways uh actually gave a really great message for uh ryan gosling's emotional arc and also, uh, once he started singing, I really just thought this whole movie needed to be a musical. Um, yeah. He has a wonderful musical number. Um, I was aware, obviously, because of La La Land and also because I think he had a band or does have a band. Um, and so, yeah, I just I did not expect a musical number. I think they teased that um, on Twitter a few times, but I was able to uh, it, not see any of the lyrics or any of any clips from that scene. And that was by far my favorite part of the movie. Uh, I've been unironically listening to that song in the car today um, at at many points. And those are, like I said, just a little bit of a hilly uh, experience with the movie, but some incredibly high moments, unlike anything I've seen this year. Um, So yeah. Yeah. Had had an amazing time overall. I think for me, I did start to get a little, I don't nervous is too strong a word because I was already having a great time. But when we got to the real world, and I, it didn't feel as controlled. And maybe mm-hmm. that was intentional because mm-hmm. everything in Barbie land is perfect. It's the best day ever. And every single thing is painted in pink and it's amazing. And then you get to the real world and it feels a little more loosey goosey chaotic. Uh, so I was a little nervous. I think it worked for the film on the whole. I do wish the America Ferreira, she plays a character named Gloria and her daughter, Sasha. I felt like they were a little underdeveloped. And in the way yeah. that Rhea Perlman's like, a Barbie doll is just an idea. I was like, well, these two girls are just an idea for the hassled modern woman. <laughs> and it, I mean, it, the movie overall as a whole works, but there is a part of me that it would have been nice to have a little more internal arc or character arc for the both of them. So that when America Ferreira gives that incredible speech and when Sasha finally does open up to her mom at the end, it feels a little more like it means something instead of Mm -hmm. perfunctory, like just hitting the beats again. These are minor critiques, but that's probably the weak spot for me. I, I totally agree. Yeah. That, that was, 
I was like, did I miss a scene or something? I feel like they cut a scene or two that they really needed mm-hmm. with those two, with, with the America Ferrera and daughter subplot. I think that really would have helped the emotion, at least for the, the humans in the story, to land better. Um, I, I thought the emotional arc for Barbie and Ken and, um, was was pretty sublime of, oh, yeah. for the most part. Sorry to use sublime again, but... Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think uh, there were there were a couple spots that I felt like in Greta's other movies, Lady Bird and Little Women, I felt like the character development was just stronger. And for whatever reason, um, I felt like there were a couple points where it was lacking here, even though Barbie is a, is a much more fun and entertaining movie than those two movies. I, I did think there were a couple points here. I was like, huh, I, w- I wonder if I need to watch this again. Or I feel like I missed like a, a, a beat that that should have been there or something. Yeah, I think the what, Taylor when you said they I feel like they cut many scenes out from the human storyline, the corporate, uh, the the corporate of Mattel, which is very present in this movie, uh, headed by Will Ferrell. One, I love that this is a very elf like movie, and that they cast Will Ferrell to kind of mirror the performance. And I thought was very smart by Greta Gerwig, oh, yeah. um, but. Well, I found he it very. Had a line, and I'm forgetting it now, but it was like almost exactly the same line <laughs> he said in Elf at one point, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, they know what they're doing here." <laughs> yeah, they really knew what they were doing, but yeah, that, I feel like at the end, in the chaos of Barbie Land uh, being taken over by the Kens, and then the Barbies taking back Barbie Land, um, eventually, the all the bosses at Mattel get there, and you. I forgot that they were there. And then all of a sudden they, <laughs> they pile out of a, a, a little booth as like a clown car, which was hilarious to see just Will Ferrell pop out. Cause clearly they didn't know how to finish that story arc. But um, so it was equal funny as it was confusing of, I don't need, I don't know if we needed a, we had the Ken perspective of the human story, the Barbie perspective and the corporate perspective. And I feel like we could have taken out the corporate perspective at a certain point. Like, I found the stuff in the real world with them very, very funny and worked in those moments, but you could have just very easily because they were so stupid, allowed them to not figure out how to get to Barbie land. So uh, yeah, it was just, the ending did have some stuff cut out and I'm glad they kept it under two hours because we're, we're uh, at a point in Hollywood where not many directors know how to, to cut out things or be comfortable to cut out things. And uh, Barbie kept its pace going the whole time as a result. But uh, maybe you could have kept something in there to to wrap up the thoughts a little bit more cleanly. But yeah, ultimately with Barbie, um, I don't want to just shoo away uh, the art aspect of it. But like because Greta Gerwig is so good at creating these emotional moments, um, the fact that the emotional moment didn't fully land, are we being like, a little bit too critical of Barbie as a movie or because it's Greta Gerwig. Uh, I think she is ready for those type of critiques. And uh, uh, yeah, she, she invites that extra layer of thought from critics, from audiences, from um, everybody in between. And uh, yeah, I, I, it didn't quite land at certain points, but man, it was a hell of a time at, at, at a great time. <laughs> I think that's fair. Little Women, for me, her version is maybe top 10 all time for me. Mm-hmm. And I, in the very first viewing, I think I cried through more of the movie than I did not. <laughs> I think it started about 
30% of the way through and it just was like a steady stream to the end. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had the exact same experience and I, I read the book right before I saw the movie. I'm so happy I did. Cause the way she cut it, I would have been really confused, honestly, of mm-hmm. how she ended up cut the storylines. But yeah, that was a, not to get too much on a tangent, but that was the only time I was with a buddy seeing, we were trying to figure out what movie we wanted to see. He had seen little women and I had seen 1917 and we realized that they were playing at the same time. So he went to see 1917 and I went to see little women at the same time. And then we just met at a bar for a drink afterwards. And we need to do them more often. There's not, we don't have to have shared interests and everything. That's my soapbox for a movie theater experience is getting creative with it. But that the Greta Gerwig experience is a brand, like a Jordan Peele type of brand, a Christopher Nolan type of brand that is, it's sticking. And uh, I'm so happy that it is. And the fact that a director like her is probably, I don't want to speak too soon, going to have the number one box office hit of the year is wild. Um, and I would say it's Barbie brand uh, to thank for a lot of that, but I think there's enough uh, Greta Gerwig belief and casual moviegoers even that there's, there's like a 40% credit you can give to Greta Gerwig alone for the success yeah. of this movie. And it's, it's unique, especially for a time where brands are taking over and, for this being the first effort effort from Mattel um, gives me some confidence in uh, what uh, they're maybe planning on doing with a, hopefully not a shared universe, but uh, clearly a universe of their, their IP um, and giving it to directors like Greta Gerwig, uh, keep doing that. And uh, I'll be there for, for most of them for sure. Do you think there will be a sequel? <laughs> um, I mean, Greta and Gerwig. Or not, what do you think about that? One, I hate the idea of it. Two, I, I doubt Greta would do the sequel. One, because she's supposedly doing two Chronicle of Narnia movies, um, which is also super bizarre. Um, I also agree that is a bizarre pairing. I'm not not going to watch it. Right. I, I think a lot I'm, of people said the same thing about Greta Gerwig and Barbie, though. So I don't know. I mean, I, I would, I'm just kind of oblivious sometimes to the marketing aspect of these movies, but Barbie and Greta Gerwig together make complete sense to me. And then when that article came out like three weeks ago, um, I forget who wrote it and what publication it was, but it was the agent talking about Mattel's efforts uh, to creating a universe. I was like, Oh, this is a Mattel movie. Are you serious? I'm like, well, of course it was dude. Like I didn't have, I don't have to be that oblivious <laughs> to it. Was. But yeah, so like Barbie and Greta Gerwig always made sense to me, but the the universe aspect of it. Well, just real quick on the Chronicles of Narnia thing. One of the parts of Barbie that I've been, like when I've been reading reviews and doing more deep reading on it, is some of the religious allusions in there. Hmm. Um, um, in Adam Barbie and Eve, or Chronicles of Narnia? In, in Barbie. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. Well, breaking some ground with well, the... <laughs> the religion. I, I hate to tell you, but yeah. there's been a lot of there's... thought put into that before. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, and th- this is my link between the two: is that in Barbie, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of Adam and Eve. There's a lot of original sin. There's a lot of um, you know at the end with the with the Ruth character who created Barbie coming in and talk, talking to her about her purpose, and mm-hmm. um, you know there, there's a lot going on there um, under the surface. And I would point people to uh, 
one of my favorite critics, Alyssa Wilkinson at Vox wrote a great review with a lot of this in there. But um, so I think Greta actually is an interesting person to take on a, a story like Chronicles of Narnia, um, because I think she does have a lot of those um, religious uh, allegory and, and illusions throughout her movies, um, maybe more subtle than other filmmakers, but I think, I think she could do an interesting job, but, but to your Barbie sequel question, I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think she sure. made too much money to not happen. Mattel is very clearly motivated to make movies about their, their brands and their toys and, and all that. I don't, I, I don't think Greta Gerwig would be involved or maybe she'd produce it or whatever. I don't think she'll, she'll direct it, but I'm wondering if they're going to try to get Margot Robbie or maybe they'll do a Ken movie or I don't know, something. I, I feel like there's something that's going to, something will be announced in the next year, I feel like. Oh, like maybe stereotypical Barbie. We need you back to Barbie land to fix X, Y, Z. Yeah. Because, guys, she's not a Barbie anymore. So <laughs> Right. Uh, she doesn't quite fit, which is why I'm like, I the money makes me think there'd be a sequel, but it feels like a very closed end. Like, I don't feel the need for more story. Yeah, I agree. But mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think that's the just how it had to be because it's its first. I'm glad Mattel wasn't presumptuous enough to create a stinger at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um and I think more... I stayed. I confirmed. I was worried about that. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't even think about staying through the credits. And uh, I'm glad you can confirm that there was no stinger at the end. But uh, I think that was smart by them. I think they could have. I'm surprised, honestly, before the movie even came out, they didn't announce a sequel to try to even up the box office game a little bit. Mm. Um, I think that could have. Not that it needed the help. It made 150 million dollars, but it. Yeah, I could have seen them jump on it too early, but now, yeah, I just it, yeah, Drew, like you said, I don't know if it'll be like a direct Barbie sequel necessarily with with Margot Robbie, but there could be a Simuliu aspect to it. There could be uh, get or give me an Allen movie, Michael Sarah Allen movie. That's that's what I want next. Yes. Uh, people would I show think, up for that. Yeah, I think people absolutely would show up for that. One of the better side characters of the movie, I thought. I, yes, love Alan. Also, I want Simu Lu in a dance musical film. Mm. We don't have enough dance in movies these days. And in that, I saw a vision of a whole career ahead of him. And mm-hmm. I went, I want to watch that whole career where you are dancing and singing for us forever. Taylor, I really liked your review. And, and one of the parts, that one of the lines that um, got me thinking the most was um, near the end, you said um, Barbie is the most... Um, quote, optimistic piece of feminist pop culture since Parks and Recreation, um, oh, which I thought was a really good comp and not one I would have thought to make. So I, like, could you just kind of explain a little bit like why you thought of Parks and Rec, one of the best sure. comedies of, of, of the last 20 years um, with Barbie? Well, the obvious reason is I'm in my annual rewatch right now. Oh. Parks and Rec. Uh, <laughs> nice. So it is on my mind. That said, I think... There's a lot of feminist pop culture that is proliferating and a lot of it is really pessimistic. And I'm not saying there isn't room for that or reason for that, obviously, but I feel like we are even Wonder Woman, which in some ways had this really optimistic view of how women in, you know, Themyscira could Mm -hmm. have a functioning society and they could be super powerful 
But then we get to the real world, not unlike Barbie, and Wonder Woman is just disheartened. The whole world is falling apart. She's in the middle of a world war, and it's horrible. And in this movie, it always comes back to there is opportunity for resolution. And Ken is a jerk for a while, Mm -hmm. but also you they give him a really sympathetic motivation where he has felt like he's been taken for granted and so barbie does not hold on to that anger or bitterness she's able to forgive him and they're not romantically involved anymore but they are able to have a friendship and it feels like this is the first piece of pop culture in a while that's like there is a way forward for men and women to have a functioning hopeful society which no matter how many terrible Jeremy jams there were in Parks and Recreation, <laughs> no matter how many horrible, awful things people lobbed at her, she still had supportive, Leslie Nope had supportive, wonderful friends in her life. Mm-hmm. And um, there was always a net positive. Always setbacks, but always a net positive. And Barbie, to me, feels like the same way of, We're not going to get to a better place overnight. We are still going to have to have America Ferreira perk us up with speeches to talk (laughs) us through all of the gaslighting that's going on. And it's not going to go away. We are going to have guys play the guitar at us for four (laughs) hours, which is maybe the biggest laugh I got in the movie. But um, yeah, but it's optimistic that this is not the be all end all. Whereas even Wonder Woman to me felt, Like, she was an angel of light, but also the world was terrible. Yeah, and and it didn't feel like, right, it didn't feel like they were, like, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach and the filmmakers were trying to answer all these thorny questions. You know, they were just kind of like, Mm -hmm. it's it's a really complex world and we're complex human beings and... um, And I think they tried to work through it with this Barbie story. And like you said, it ended up in a, pretty optimistic space even though it's it's for a lot of the movie it's at least the the back half of the movie is kind of a battle of the sexes and a lot of and a and a lot of scenes mm-hmm. um but it, it ends in a in a much um more positive place than i think uh a lot of people maybe were expecting or or halfway through the movie you know and i think there's another version of this movie too maybe promising young woman where it is coming back and it ends on you know what? Men are terrible and there's no <laughs> redemption. And this to me is not that movie either, which is, I would rather have this version. Obviously I loved promising young woman as well. There's an Emerald Fennell co- connection between the two. Of these oh, that's right. Enough. Yeah. Um, but I would rather end believing that, you know what? Not all men are terrible. I, maybe I'm just saying this cause I'm on a men's podcast. Thank you. Maybe. <laughs> Thank you. But yes. <laughs> I think I'll get off and I'll realize I was not being gaslit and I feel this way 24 seven. We're just a couple of 30 something Ken's just, you know, and we're, we're enough, <laughs> you know, and we're good and we're great at doing we're, stuff. We're enough. <laughs> we are, uh, I'm, I'm just already anticipating a bunch of self-conscious college age boys too afraid to dress up at Halloween wearing that sweatshirt. I am enough, uh, <laughs> this year at, uh, at some type of Halloween event on, college campuses across the United States and potentially the globe. Um, (laughs) But guys, what a wonderful conversation. 
Um, there's so much more we could go into about Barbie, about this whole weekend and the amazing time we had, not just with the movie itself, but the experience of going to the movie theaters. Um, and for anybody that might want to stick around, we will be talking about Oppenheimer in uh, an episode being released the same day as this one. So uh, stick around Ooh, for whichever like one that. you you uh, watch first or you listen to first. And uh, yeah, Taylor, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Uh, we kind of gave your little bio beforehand, yeah. but uh, anything in particular? Yeah, zekefilm.org, all sorts of reviews there. That is my primary outlet. I am also podcasting about Gilmore Girls on So It's a Show, which you can find on all your fave podcast apps and Crab versus Critic vs versus critic.tumblr.com, where if you would like recommendations of random 1930s musicals, I've got you covered. <laughs> I know awesome. we've got we- some uh, Gilmore Girls fans who are followers of, of Do You Like Apples, so you're you might you might maybe get some more welcome some, a few more listens you have a lot of good stuff going out there taylor and uh that's why we keep asking you to come back it's uh it's it was wonderful talking with you um and uh if you want to stick around like uh the bar or the ken characters explaining the godfather to uh to a barbie <laughs> if you want us to stick around and have us explain what oppenheimer was about to you uh feel free um, and uh stick around for that conversation uh, but with that tease, uh, please follow us on uh, Substack for our newsletter that comes out every Friday morning. Do you like apples.substack.com? We are on Instagram and Twitter, um, or now X, which is so stupid. Oh my! Uh, at, yeah, at you like underscore apples. Uh, we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, please like, rate, review, and subscribe on both of those. Our theme music is by Ryan Jenkins and. Uh, Listen to further Do You Like Apple's podcast and the many things we have coming up in the future. Thanks, guys. Do you like apples? Do you like apples?